be in Romans chapter 10, but before we get into Romans chapter 10, you know, I, I, I just want to like say, again, this has been a busy week for many of you and kind of, you know, maybe a divisive week for some of you if you guys are in the political realm. Some of you kind of stay on the sidelines when it comes to politics and don't get super involved. Some of you guys get involved and it's been, you know, it's been change, you know, and, and I don't, you guys know I don't like tell you who to vote for or pick those things up here. And I, I didn't do that in the weeks past. Um, but it's just been a crazy week, and, and I know as a church, it's been a crazy week. But many people are excited. Many people are fearful. Many people, even if they are happy that the person they voted for won, they're still fearful because of everything else going on in the world. And I know that you probably feel this way too, but like ever since last February, everything's changed in our lives. Everything's changed in your workplaces. Everything's changed in your families. Um, some of your guys' families are saying, hey, we're not getting together for the holidays, and maybe you're heartbroken about that. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of uncertainty, and I just want to calm you for a second on that note. You know, the Bible says over 350 times, fear not. In different passages and in different ways, God says in his Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. And he did not want his people to be in fear. And, and almost— you know, as you read God's word, he wants his people to be encouraged, means filled with courage. And so fear and the uncertainty is not an emotion God wants us to have. So I just want to say in regard to the election, whatever you feel about it, don't make this election bigger than what it is. Okay, like don't make it bigger than what it is in your life. Don't make it bigger than your mission, because your mission is on this earth has not changed. <laughs> and it's not going to change. God's word isn't getting rewrote during this season. <laughs> and the promises are, aren't getting changed. Those are staying the same. And so, and also our mission as a church hasn't changed, which is reach, equip, send. Reaching the lost, equipping the found, sending the willing. See, the election has caused, I believe, division in the church. Not saying that people are fighting here on Sunday morning, but if anybody here has social media or you've watched The Social Dilemma, <laughs> you know that social media is designed right now to push you apart from your friends. They're, you're, they're making you get into a camp or get into a, a thing. And so you see this fighting and you see this like arguing and I, I talk to people. Like not only like probably like three months ago, somebody from j -Road, like comes in my office and they're just like, I need to talk. And they were like shaking, kind of like upset, on the verge of crying. And they said, you know, like somebody shared this political post and I'm just so angry that they would vote for this person. I don't, like, and they were so in turmoil about it, they couldn't even like talk to this person. And it created so much strife. And, you know, you know, like, the, like now it's, you know, six months later or three months later from that conversation and, you know, like the same type of folks are posting like slam dunk memes over like their person one and I'm like guys like this isn't a time to slam dunk over each other if you're happy about the election you know it's not a time to also attack the other side like the church has to be unified the church has to be unified and fighting can't happen we have to know this that if we fight as a church the enemy wins if we're in conflict with each other that isn't healthy biblical conflict, because there is healthy biblical conflict. If it's not healthy biblical conflict, Satan's winning. 
if it's anger, bitterness, resentment, unresolved tension, the enemy's winning. And the church's mission gets distracted. And it's not the case. If you feel like you are struggling because of something, or you're, if anybody here are in conflict with somebody from J-Road, it talks about that in Matthew 18. Take that person aside and tell them what's going on. That's healthy conflict. It's like, well, I don't want to offend. That's, nowhere in the Bible says you're never going to offend somebody, right? You might offend somebody sometimes, but it's with love, and it's if it's healthy, and, and you're sharing, and it's meant for a heart of discipleship, it's good for the church. Those things are good. And before I, you know, we get to Romans 10, in Jesus's last prayer, I don't know if you guys know this, but I think about this often. In Jesus's last prayer in the garden before he was crucified, in the book of um, John chapter 17, he prays for himself, he prays for his immediate disciples, but he also prays for the church. He says, anybody who will believe in me. So in a sense, he prays for us, the church. And in it, he prays, the last thing he prays for isn't that they would be effective communicators. It's not that they would be the best servants or they would have, you know, the most well-manicured lawns or anything. Like, the one thing he prayed for his people is, is for unity, that they would be unified. And that's what I believe Jesus thought what is one of the most important things for the church to be functional is that there's unity. And so I just want to pray for that going forward, or, or I should say mention that. Um, and, and this is what Jesus prayed in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, meaning he has given us the Holy Spirit, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So again, I believe personally, like, like different things out there that we're part of, like social media or even the news or whatever, is going to be meant to divide us. And we have to just come back to God's word and meant that Jesus is one of his biggest hopes for our church family was we're unified. So if you're struggling this morning and if there's somebody that maybe you're upset with, either call them or give it to Jesus and let it go. <laughs> Pray about what you should do about that, but um, it's time that we move on and that know that our mission is bigger than everything else going on. Amen? Amen. Good. Thank you guys. And last but not least, our goal— <laughs> I had this point, I really want to say it because I almost skipped over it— our goal as a church is not to advance the office of president. It's really not. It's to advance the kingdom of God. That's like our main importance, and advancing the kingdom of God is our main goal. And as we said before, it's cliche, but it's important. No matter who is president, Jesus is still king. Amen? He's still on the throne. He's not like, whoa, this, is, this threw me for a loop. Like, God knows everything. He's God. <laughs> he knows the hair on your head. It's good. It's good. And and the church, is in a, the church as a whole, the mission hasn't changed. Okay? Sound good? All right. Real quick. Um, on that J-Rock, if any point during this time, I put paper over there. And on there is called the Romans Road to Salvation. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Romans Road to Salvation. Okay? Half of you have heard of Romans Road. If you want that, please just meander over there anytime and grab that. Um, and 
that you could take that home with you. It goes along with the message that we're talking about today in Romans. But that's the Romans Road to Salvation. Again, if you're watching online, Google Romans Road to Salvation. They have a couple good links. Copy and paste it. Set it as your phone background, and that'll be good. So head over there. But I want to start by saying this story. I'll tell a quick story for us. Um, anybody here, like, like when their neighbor moves into the neighborhood, you go over there and like bring them a gift or something? Has anybody had to do that recently or in the past? Like somebody's new and like you just say hi and welcome them? Or I guess when you guys moved into your neighborhood, did somebody bring you over something and just say welcome to the neighborhood? Yeah, a few of you. Man, you guys I got some cold neighborhoods up in here. You guys got some distanced neighborhoods. I don't know, but that used to be a thing back in the day when some of you, like a new person moves in the community, you bring them a gift. Now over here in this house that I could see like from the pulpit, that house over there, you know, a new family moved in there like a couple weeks ago. And we as a church um, bought a gift basket and we brought it over there with a card and just said, welcome to the neighborhood. Come to church whenever you want. Or do- These are our service times. We, we, we appreciate you and want you to feel welcomed. So we do that. But I'll say this. Um, yesterday, I met my neighbor for the first time. He's like, I know my neighbors around my house. Like, you know how that works? Like, you know the neighbors right next door, but two houses down. It's been like 10 years. You've never met them. <laughs> like, I know my neighbors around me. Like, the six, I have their phone numbers. I text them if I go out of town and all that stuff. We have this good relationship. Um, but like four houses down, I met my neighbor for the first time yesterday, and it was his last day in our neighborhood. <laughs> it was the last day. He's been there for a year and a half. He didn't, he wasn't there a long time, but he was there a year and a half, and he was selling his house, and, and he was just, he showed up to like take the last things out of his house, and he was done. And I stopped by, and I was like, hey, did you sell it? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, let me go introduce myself. <laughs> and, and so me and this dude talked for like an hour, and it was such a nice day yesterday, as you guys know. We sat in his driveway and talked, and um, it was this, we had this great conversation, and we were laughing like the whole time that like, why, why didn't we talk? We've been, we've seen each other like a year and a half. Now, we usually bring a gift to our neighbors and just say, welcome to the neighborhood, but apparently this guy missed the Zacco pie train. I don't know why, but he did. Um, and we just, we seen him outside. We just never talked. But I'm like, man, this would have been a good friend to have. And I think it, like, I was kicking myself as I was leaving because I know the mission at J-Road is to reach the lost. And I'm like, this guy was cool. We, we hit it off really good, and I'm probably never going to see him again. <laughs> and it's just the way it is. I was kind of like kicking myself about that. And, and, and in some ways, I was like just lamenting that. Now a new family is moving in in a couple of weeks, so I have a chance to redeem myself. But either way, I was kicking myself because it's been a year and a half. I haven't talked to this guy. Um, dude missed the Zacco welcome basket. Um, but it just got me thinking of how important our mission is. Now our mission at Jericho Road Church is reaching the, reaching the lost. It is equipping the and sending the all right, yeah, you could show, I think I have a slide for, they're like, the, the sound guy's like holding it back, like letting you guys miss it a little bit. All right, I'm just going to pull this a little closer. I'm not strong enough to move this up, but I'm just going to move this a little closer for you guys. Sorry, I went off camera, Mikey. I won't do that too much. Um, so that's our mission as a church, and we're going to be talking about this all the time because it's so easy that whatever we do has to fit in with this, okay? And it's also our push. That's why we do the mission card, 
if it works out great, like so far, like I think 10 to 12 people have wrote that they shared the gospel since we started doing it. We're going to be pushing that a lot because we want you guys to think about through the week, how could I share the gospel? And I was even thinking about with this guy. Only talked to him for an hour, just met him, didn't get a chance to do that, but we had a great conversation. And what made me think of this is our time here on earth is so limited. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you haven't, talk to somebody who's like 95 years old, and the one thing they'll tell you is, life is so short. And the other thing they'll tell you is, my time here on earth went by so fast. Anybody here have adult children? Does it feel like just yesterday that they were toddlers getting ready to go to school? Some of you are like grabbing the tissue box because you're going to start crying. <laughs> but it feels like that. And you, like anybody ever said, where did the time go? Like where did the time go? It feels like, man, it feels like just yesterday I was in high school. I still feel 18 myself and I'm 36 years old. You know, and it feels like it just happens. It goes by so fast. And the question is, is, has Jesus changed your life? Like, has Jesus changed your life? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Has he brought you peace? Has he made a difference? Is he changing you, and are you growing in sanctification? And if those answers are yes, and on top of that, are you confident in your salvation? Or do you doubt your salvation? Like, the, the, the idea is, like, we should all have full assurance of your salvation. We should have full assurance of our salvation. We should feel confident in the hope and the peace that we have. But that, all of that should lead us to telling others about Jesus. That's, like, one of the first part of our mission is, like, reaching the lost and telling other people, like, hey, you're hopeless. I have a hope. You know, I have this hope that even though a loved one of mine may die, the worst thing that could possibly happen, if they know Jesus, I know I'll see him again in heaven. And this earth is a temporary staying place. And so, in the Bible, it specifically says, we don't mourn like people who have no hope. Like, we don't sit and mourn like people who have no hope. When you die, like, they just think you're just asleep for eternity and you're just, you're just cease to exist. And the truth of the Bible is your soul lasts forever. Human souls always last forever in either one place or the other. And so sharing the gospel is incredibly important. Jesus saved you. You were destined for hell. You believed in Jesus. You applied his blood. At some point in your life, you believed and you were baptized and your life was changed. And now you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the fact. And so in Romans chapter 10 today, we're talking about salvation. And with it, I want to tack on the Romans road to salvation. And basically the Romans road is a tool to help you share Jesus with people. And it's using Bible scriptures to walk people through salvation. Because I know a lot of us folks, we feel like we can share Jesus, but if somebody says, how do I become saved? We might not feel confident in what to say. And my heart is, as a church, that I equip you guys all, whether you're online or whether you're in person, to be able to share the gospel and feel confident in that. And not feel like, ooh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to mess up. This is human souls we're talking about. So it is, <laughs> it does make you nervous a little bit. I don't want to say the wrong thing. But we have to realize that God has given us his Holy Spirit to indwell us. And with the Holy Spirit comes power, it comes confidence. It gives us the words to say in moments we don't know what to say. But also he says, be ready. 
And that's what today's about, is like just being ready. I want you guys to be confident to share the gospel. And, and feel like, I don't have any problem doing that. Not that, and I'll tell you this, if, if you feel like you want to share the gospel with somebody, you're always going to be nervous. You're always going to be nervous doing that, but we should be able to confidently spell it out. And so salvation in this book, you know, it, what Brian talked about last week, it, he was talking to the Hebrew people in chapters 9, 10, 11. It's kind of about the Israelite people and how they're transitioning away from the law and into Christ. So it's not like following the Ten Commandments or sacrificing a goat is going to, like, forgive your sins. It's only belief in Jesus. This was a hard thing to swallow for a lot of the Jewish Christian people, how the law is dead, and now Christ, it's believing in Christ. I think for some of them, it felt too easy. There's got to be more. Like, we used to have to go to the Day of Atonement. We used to have to do this. We had to follow these laws. And now it's faith in Jesus Christ alone is what saves us. How could this be? And so Paul had to build this out. And a lot of our Romans Road verses comes from chapter 10, so I thought it was good. So salvation comes from believing, not the law. So that's our first verse is Romans chapter 10, verse 4. And Paul says this, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. There may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In, in a different translation, it might say Christ is the consummation of the law or like the ending of the law. And it, what he's saying is like the law, people followed it so you would be righteous. Why is Beth Cantola righteous? She keeps the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, like that's what they would say back then. She keeps the Ten Commandments, and if she fails to keep the Ten Commandments— um, the priest will pray for her on the Day of Atonement, and there'll be a sacrifice in the temple, and sins can be forgiven through the shed blood of animals. And so, for the best of her ability, she's keeping the law. And now he's saying, righteousness doesn't come through that way. Full righteousness comes from belief. Like, just belief in Jesus. Belief is the way, and if belief is the way to prevent people from spending eternity in hell, we should be telling people that and telling people that, and like getting the word out to people, the people that you work with, the people in your families, the people that don't know Jesus, we should be telling that and saying, hey, it's belief. It's belief. And again, I think sometimes the church has screwed up on that a little bit. And I've heard this said. Um, I remember a friend of mine, somebody was sharing the gospel with him, and he, he kind of got to the point where he said, what must I do to be saved? And this person said, well, the first thing you got to do is quit drinking. The first thing you got to do is quit going to the bar. The first, the next thing you got to do is quit hanging out with this person. And they were like, forget that. Because they were given a list of things to do to become righteous. And he says, righteousness is only by belief or faith in Jesus Christ. Like, that's it. And when we start putting rules before the belief, then we fall into what's called legalism, like a legal way to obtain salvation. He said righteousness by belief. The other stuff, like, listen, if you're steeped in sin, that other stuff will come later in sanctification and discipleship, but salvation comes from belief. And for some people, I think when you hear this, 
It should make a weight fall off your shoulders. Like, my sin can be forgiven. I can come to Jesus, not because of accomplishing A, B, and C, but because of what Jesus accomplished A, B, and C. What Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus rose from the dead. I put my faith in that and make him my Lord and Savior, and then I'm righteous. It can be done instantly. Instantly. I think a light just went off. Okay, there we go. It's like, whoop. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So we need to feel confident. We need to tell people. Look at Romans 10. I'm going to jump ahead. Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. It says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Now this is talking about people who are lost. People who don't know Jesus. It says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I don't know how hairy your feet are or how long your toenails are, but if you are out there sharing the gospel, the Bible says that your feet are beautiful because you are bringing the gospel to your friends and family and coworkers. Amen? And you are that person that it's talking about here. You are that person. You're like, Jim, I'm not a preacher. Again, this isn't talking about preaching from the stage. This is talking about proclaiming the good news to your friends and family. It happens over coffee. It happens over lunch. It's, and when you do that, you're preaching. You're proclaiming the good news. And so that is you. And he's saying, and that's our job as a church to send you on that mission is to send you on that mission. Hence, our second part of our mission, you know, which is, or the last part, is sending the willing. So we are called to reach the lost, bring them the message, and it says, how can they know if nobody's told them? There's people out there that we need to tell. Like, we are commissioned to tell and share this with them. How can we tell? So, will you share the gospel? And again, I'm not saying that sharing the gospel is easy, even the people that are like natural evangelists, it's not going to come super easy, but it's something we know we should do. And it's always taking the conversation with a friend or family member to a deeper level. Do you guys know that most of our relationships stay here on the surface? And in the church, I don't like that. I'm just being honest. If all we have is surface relationships, then it's all like, hey, how's your truck? How's the dog? Hey, how's this? And I'm not getting to anything about you. I just kept it at the surface for 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why missional communities are so important. And that's why if the pandemic gets crazy and, you know, people start getting sick in our missional communities and we have to pause for a little bit, I'm, I'm like pushing our missional community leaders, let's do Zoom, let's call them, let's do a phone conference, let's do something because we can't go without Christian-on-Christian Christian interaction for too long, or we'll die on the vine. Right? Like, having these relationships are important. And even I'll say this too, like, watching from home right now, like, as spikes are going up, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. That's totally fine. Each people have to do what's good. It, but if we're watching at home, and we are, aren't involved in a missional community, and we don't have a Christian friend that we can meet with and talk about godly things, it's not going to be good. Because what you'll find yourself is in, in total isolation. And so I said, if you're not doing missional community, if you're not coming to church or you're not watching online, like you gotta be in community somehow, even if that's with one person. Because that's the church, right? 
I'm talking about like not like being face-to-face, breathing in each other's faces. I'm talking about a phone call and saying, hey, how's your walk with Jesus? How's your walk with Jesus? It's an awkward question, but it's deeper than, hey, how's your truck running? One is going to bring you peace. The other one is just conversation. And believe it or not, Sunday morning, I love catching up with you guys. A lot of that is just going to be, hey, how you're doing? And this more deeper stuff might happen in a different setting. Do you have people in your life you're talking to and going deeper with? That's the question. So anyway, you share the gospel with somebody, that's going to bring it closer. That's going to bring it deeper. Because a lot of times, if you don't know this person super well, everybody says this, is this my place to say anything? (laughs) Anybody ever thought that? I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, My son, it climbs things a lot. And he, when he was little, I mean, he's five right now, but when he was like two and three, he'd climb things like crazy. And we went to Pier Marquette. Like, do you guys know the new playground at Pier Marquette? Have you guys been there, like, to the new one? Like, with the super tall slide? Like, the, sl- the slide is like two stories high. Jonathan, it's like an enclosed slide. He climbed up the outside of the slide until the very top, and he is, like, dangling from this, on, like, down to the, like, break your legs height, for, even for a kid. And he was there, like, Jonathan was there with my grandparents, um, or his grandparents, my wife's parents, and they said, somebody, like, yelled, like, hey, that kid's about to fall. And my father-in-law runs over there and says, you know, like, gets him down. But what he noticed was all of these other dads and moms were, like, standing back, like, way over here, like, oh, somebody better get that kid. Like, ah, oh, that kid's about to fall and break his legs. And he said, why didn't you guys get under him in case he falls? And I think people are so worried about being like a weirdo or a creeper that they were just going to stand back and say, ugh, it's not my place. It's not my place. Who am I to do that? And believe it, if my kid's dangling at two stories, I don't care if you're creeper the creeper. I want you to help them, like, catch them, you know. I'm not going to think anything of it. I'm not, like, and we get in this as a society. It's the same reason that we don't bring pies to our new neighbors anymore. It's like, ooh, I don't want to, like, impose I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, jump up there and rescue somebody else's kid. That's not my place. And we've gotten this very, like, disconnected society, right? I brought the gift basket to our new neighbors over there. I brought it to them, talked to them. I'm like, I don't care if I look like, I'm not, like, imposing. I'm just showing that I love you. Like, and I, and I'm, you know, we're friendly. You know, I want them to get that feel. But as a society, we've cut back on being friendly because we don't want to impose on people's business. People might want that more than you think, okay? Um, People might want that more than you think. So how do I lead into this conversation? How do I lead into sharing the gospel? How do I lead into this? Um, I usually ask two things, and we have a slide for the second one, but the first one I usually ask if I want to start sharing the gospel is I usually say, I ask them about church. It's a very easy question, especially if you live in the Bible Belt of West Michigan that everybody grew up in Sunday school class with a flannel graph, and everybody's been to church before. And so it's like, hey, do you guys go to church? I go to church. I go to J-Road. Um, do you guys go to church? That question always um, leads to the spiritual conversation. They'll either be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm on my worship team. I'm, uh, I serve in the kids' band. I'm very involved. And you're like, okay, I might not need to share the gospel with this person. They might know. <laughs> and the other one is, is like, oh, I used to go to church. I don't anymore. Or 
I never went to church. What's church? Who's Jesus? You'll probably never encounter that person, right? Especially in West Michigan. In other parts of America, they, you would encounter that. But we're a pretty Dutch Reformed area. Everybody's grew up in church. Reformed Dutch church, apparently. Um, you got blonde hair, light skin, you're probably Dutch, you know, like, <laughs> so I just assume that at this point. Um, okay, that's an a intro into that conversation. The deeper question is this. If you want to really get into it and just lay it out there and you want to put in your evangelism hat, you want to know what the first question in evangelism is? If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? <laughs> okay, that's a pretty deep question. It's, it's deep, and it's kind of harsh, and I'm only asking because I care, and I believe hell is real, and I believe heaven's real, and I care, and I, that's why I'm asking. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? Everybody has to answer this question. There might be people here this morning or watching online that don't know the answer to that question. And the Bible doesn't leave any ambiguity. If you believe in the name of Jesus Christ and accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are saved, your salvation is sealed, and you're going to heaven. You don't have to worry about where you're going to hell. Amen? And if somebody says, yeah, I go to church, but I don't know the answer to that question, then you could lead them to the Romans road. It's, it's one tool. It's not the only tool. And you can lead them through these Bible passages. If somebody says, yeah, I believe I'm going to heaven— I believe I'm going to heaven. You could ask, what makes you say that? The other question is, is if you were to die today in car accident, horrible situation, you wake up, you're standing before Jesus in the gates of heaven, and God says, let's say God says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. And, and, and yeah, the answer to that question reveals if people know the true way to salvation or not. It's just the reality. If you were to die today and God says, why should I lighten you to heaven, what would you say? It reveals what people think. If somebody says, well, because I've been a good person. I've been a good person. Well, honestly, the Bible says that doesn't cut it. Getting, being a good person doesn't cut it because we're not, none of us are good enough. So what else? <laughs> I've just been a good person. I've been kind to people. Um, I go to church. All those are wrong answers of why God will let you into heaven. Going to church doesn't get you into heaven. Um, Taking communion, just take communion, doesn't get you into heaven. Um, Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Doing the Ten Commandments. None of these things get you into heaven. And if people say those things, you don't want to say, wrong! Going to hell. No, you lead into like, that's actually, that's you know, those are good things, but this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. The first is found in Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is kind of the first step to Romans Road, and it's simply saying we are all sinners. We are all miserable, horrible sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short. And if anybody says they're not a sinner, they are lying to themselves, you could ask a couple of questions. Like, have you ever lied once in your life? At any point in your life, have you ever told one lie, no matter how big or small? Yes. Okay. Have you ever used God's name in vain, even once in your entire life? Yeah, I have. Okay. 
Have you ever looked at somebody who wasn't your spouse with lust in your heart, even once, who wasn't your husband or wife? Okay. Yeah, I've done that once. Okay, done that once. Okay, by what you just said, you're a liar, blasphemer, and adulterer at heart. Right? Like, well, I'm not a liar. You said you lied once. In God's eyes, you're a liar. You, you murder somebody once, you're a murderer, right? How many times do you have to murder somebody before you're a murderer? Once. How many times do you have to lie before you're a liar? Once. Okay? So let's just reveal that we are all miserable sinners. We've all fallen short. That's the first step in the Romans road in evangelizing. We've all sinned. The second is, the first is we're all sinners. The second is, sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. And it's Romans 6.23. So 3.23 and 6.23 is, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So meaning that if you've sinned only once, and by what you just said, you're a liar, blasphemer, adulterer at heart, the Bible says that your, your death is what you deserve. And what that means is, not just dying here on earth, but eternal death in the place the Bible calls hell. Because God's so perfect, and his, he's so holy, he cannot let a liar, blasphemer, adulterer into heaven. And so the, the penalty for what you, your sin is, is death. It's hell. And I know that comes across as like shocking and harsh, but the gospel we've shared with people too many times is Jesus loves you and he just wants you to love him back. That's not necessarily the truth. The truth is that we're a sinner on the verge of hell and God sent his only son to die for us so we can be righteous. There's more to the story than we leave out sometimes. So, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we're separated in a place that God calls hell. So we've all sinned, the wages of sin is death, and Romans 5, 8, the third step on the Romans road, is this. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? So, Sally, you just admitted that you're an adulterer, blasphemer, liar, and I just shared that because of your sin, you're going to be eternally separated from God in the place the Bible calls hell, but... Romans 5.8 says, Because God loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die, that even while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. Okay? That's the good news. That's the good news. He loved you. He sent his son to die for you. And he gave you a way to heaven. And at this point in the Romans road, your friend might say, that's awesome. How do I do that? How do I do that? I remember, like, what they're asking is what Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch said when Philip evangelized the Ethiopian eunuch. The guy said, how can I be saved? How can I be saved? And, he, you know, Philip tells him. And I remember when I got saved, I don't know if you guys know this, when I got saved, I was 16 or 15 years old. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, never went to church a day in my life until after I got saved when I was 16. And I remember I went to this camp, a Christian camp called Young Life, and they shared the gospel. And during that camp, they shared that Jesus can give you a new heart if you believe in him. And Jesus could save you if you believe in him. And I remember talking to my camp counselor, and I'm like, 
how do you do that exactly? Like, and he said, well, you just do this and this. And I said, well, I'm not ready to do that. And he said, why not? And I was like, I don't know. I guess that's a good question. And he's like, you can do that right here. You could actually do that right here. And I was like, really? <laughs> I thought I had to go to church first. I didn't know the church lingo. Like, I thought I had to sit in a pew and, like, go to church for a couple of years before I can do that. He's like, no, you can get saved right here and accept this gospel and then get baptized later and all that good stuff. So we, at some point, they'll ask, how can I be saved? And that's where Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 comes in. It says this, and this is kind of a big chunk of Romans 10, which we're in this week. It says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And as, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name will be saved. So you, you actually, with Romans Road, and if you have a Bible that you are sharing and evangelizing with somebody, you could actually walk your friend through this and just share. Like it says right here, if you share with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, meaning you truly believe it in your spirit and you want to accept him as Lord, you pray and, and, and confess that he is Lord and ask him to come into your heart, and then you're saved. It's like, that's it. Like, that's the crux of getting saved. Now, when you do that, part of it is like when you turn to God, you repent of your sins and you turn from that. But the first thing is confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. And it says in Romans 10, if you do this, you're saved. And that's how you become righteous. And he, and, he, and he shares this. It's with the mouth and with the heart, with the mouth and your heart. So you speak it. This is why a lot of times when people get baptized, we like it when they share their testimony. Like share how you got saved, share why you want to get baptized, because you're confessing with your mouth to the church that you want to get baptized. It's good. At minimum, I just ask so-and-so, did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you confess him as Lord and Savior? And they'll say yes. And it's like a way to just help them confess that in their heart and do that. But it's believing this, this all in your heart and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then that's it. You pray with them, help them pray this prayer, and then get them involved in a church body. You know what I mean? Wherever they live or, you know, if they don't live around here, they can go to a different church. They can come here. But get them involved in a church body which will preach God's word and that they could grow up in their faith. This is the nutshell. This is what we want you guys to feel comfortable doing. So again, I want you to refer you to that paper back there if you're not taking notes. Take that paper with you. Put it in your Bible. Keep it with you. It's not the most design-friendly design that we've ever had. But to be honest, I found it because Romans Road is very popular and I printed it out for you guys. <laughs> so you could take it home with you. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. So my final point is this, and then I'll pray. Our time here on earth is very short, as I said. Our time here is very short. I'm kind of glad I had this interaction with my buddy down the street yesterday, even though it was kind of comical, because I realized, like, I want to love and pursue my neighbors. If they say, if they're very cold towards me and push me away, that's fine. Do you know Jesus, when he sent his disciples out to do this, he said, if any town rejects you, just kick the dust off your feet and move on. People are going to reject you guys. The gospel is a stumbling block. The gospel is offensive to some people. They, 
you might get a thousand rejections before one person shows any interest. It's not the church's responsibility for people to accept Jesus. Your responsibility is to preach. Your responsibility is to share the good news. What they do with that good news or that seed you planted is between them and Jesus. Right? You can't, and so uh, I feel like life is short. I want to greet our new neighbors who move into this dude's house. But we have the hope of the world. And right now around us, there's a city of people that don't know Jesus. There is a generation of people that are more lost than when some of you were kids. We're coming into a post-Christian society where we're eventually starting to see people who actually didn't grow up in church like most of us did. There's a whole generation of people who don't know Jesus. And we are employed to go out and share the gospel. We are commissioned to do that and tell them about this hope. And the goal is to save them from an eternity in hell. The goal is to save them from eternity in hell so they don't die in their sins, but rather their sins are covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ through confessing with their mouth and believing in their heart. Amen? And so I'll end with this thought. And this thought isn't meant to be morbid or anything, but I want to share it because it, it impacted me a long time ago. So if we get into the end times, long story short, there's two judgments of God. I, I shared this like a few years ago. But there's two judgments that God will have at the end times. There will be what's called the Bema Seat Judgment, and then there will be the Great White Throne Judgment. Both of these are spoken about in the Bible. The Bema Seat Judgment, for Christians, we will only go to the Bema Seat Judgment. And the Bema Seat Judgment is where God judges us and gives out gifts according to our deeds. Because we're saved, we're not going to be judged according to our sin. Our sin's covered. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So he'll judge you, and you'll see, and you'll receive rewards based on what you did. The second judgment is called the Great White Throne Judgment, and that's where everybody who doesn't know Jesus is resurrected. Their souls are actually brought before the throne of God, and God judges them. He looks, and their names aren't in the Lamb's Book of Life because they didn't accept Jesus, and they're judged based on their sin. And their sin, the wages of sin is death, they are, they are then judged based on that. And so that's the two judgments. I say that because in the Bible, it alludes to the fact that we will be there at that great white throne judgment. I don't know what capacity. We won't be judged, but we'll be present, and we'll be witnesses to this. And in a way, we'll say in our hearts, God did what's right, because God always does what's right. But my pastor told me this a long time ago. He said, if we are there and we're witnessing this in the end times, the people that are judged that didn't accept Jesus, if you see people that you know, and they look up and they see you, are they going to say, that person, like, shared Jesus with me, and I didn't accept it? That person shared Jesus with me. Or will, they, will your friends and coworkers and family look up at you and be like, hey, you're up in that section. <laughs> like, why didn't you tell me? I worked with you every day. You didn't share the gospel with me. I worked with you every day. You didn't even share that you're a Christian. You remained silent. Like, and I'm not saying that it, the blame would be totally on you because I'm sure other people shared, but if the people that I know see me, they would be like, that guy tried to share Jesus with me and I didn't accept it. I don't ever want my family, my relatives, my coworkers to say, why didn't you 
ever share the gospel with me, and I don't want to feel that at any point. And so um, I, uh, like, I, I think about these things. I want to be a Christian that lives in that moment and thinks about the bigness of God and thinks about these end-time things because it's real. The Bible teaches it. And so we're commissioned to share. Like, we have hope. The only thing we can't do in heaven is evangelize. That's the only thing we can't do in heaven. You might be able to fly. I don't know if there's dirt bikes in heaven. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of cool things. You can't share Jesus in heaven because there's no more lost people in heaven. This is our chance. Amen? And I say that to encourage you. Go out there and do it. If you, if you need to wait, you know, there's no time to wait. There's going to be no better time to ask that question. Hey, man, do you go to church? They're like, ah, no, nah, I don't go. Hey, well, if you were to die today and, and stand before God, he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Do you know where you're going? And lead into that conversation. Lead into that. Because people need this. And the very just last thing I want to say, and after even this interaction yesterday and preaching through this, love and pursue lost people. Love and pursue lost people. My man yesterday was such a cool guy. We were hanging out. He, like, had a couple Marlboros. He was, like, cussing up a storm. He was talking about things that I don't agree with, like, even politically or, or <laughs> morally. <laughs> I wasn't affirming those sins, but I was listening, and we talking about other stuff. And I'm like, love and pursue lost people because this is our only chance to be around them and share the hope that we have. Let me pray. And then I'll close this out after I pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these, uh, these good people. God, I pray, first of all, if there's anybody here that isn't sure if they know where they're going or die, God, I want to give them an opportunity to accept you as Lord and Savior and to know for sure that they know that they know that they're saved. So God, I want to just pray for those people. And I pray that uh, they simply say to you, Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that your blood covers all my sins. And I confess that I'm a sinner and I want to follow you. And I pray that they do that, God. I pray that they confess it with their mouth and believe it in their heart. And they have the confidence that they're saved. And they tell people they're saved. And they start to get discipled. So I pray for that. And I pray for the rest of us who are Christians, God, that we can go out and share the gospel this week with confidence and boldness. We report it on the mission card so we know that they did it. And we just go forward confidently, Lord. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.